Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I feel like you should really appreciate your come up. It's the most romantic part of your career. When you get past all the bullshit, then you're like, really, this was great. And it did happen for a reason, and the universe did make it go this way. A lot of the relationships that we put ourselves through are very temporary. People come in your life for a reason. Those reasons are the stories that you tell to other people. I think it's such a beautiful time right now where people are really being encouraged to celebrate their culture and celebrate their differences and celebrate things that we've maybe been made to feel ashamed of. Yo, what's up? What's up? It's Sean Leon. Hi, it's Myrna. What's up, guys? This is Khalid. Hey, what's up? It's Ali. You're listening to The Come Up Show. Get inspired. Welcome to the Come Up Show podcast. My name is Chetto. I'm the host and founder of the Come Up Show. My special guest today is Matthew Progress, who I feel is one of the premier artists from Toronto. We talked about his new EP, Slumber Magic War, and he also has a multidisciplinary approach with every project. And he has an obsession with motivational speakers who use the power of positive manipulation to get a response. Matthew Progress on the Come Up Show podcast. Let's go! Please introduce yourself. Peace and love. My name is Matthew Progress, and I represent the Slumber Magic War Society. Hello. Mother mercy, death alive. These niggas trying to flex a lot. Oh, Lord, you a snake. I'm going to testify. You got a problem with the kid, get it rectified. You got 10 bands, don't invest a dime. Get a hood state of mind, never gentrified. Shorty never touch road like detention time. She on a hashtag, admission grind. Girl, tag my Insta, tag my Insta. In a body rider or a pony printer. Bye, Felicia, come spend the winter with me. I'm a real Mac, he's been a vista. Linda, 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 listen. Let me know if I should go slow when the Dixon. Free my niggas that's been the mission from in the matrix to in the prison flag 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 slumber magic war society that's right what's that about uh slumber magic war society is an alternative society i don't really like to go into too much detail um in interviews um, but you can join online um a great way to start is downloading the ep um, but essentially, we're looking to create a new option uh, for people who have been socialized to exist in this society um, and a self-determined option that looks at you and your inner voice and how to give that a platform and build you into the god and superstar that you are. Mm. So like, well, like a collective or? Yeah, a collective uh, of okay. people, essentially. Um I call it an alternative society, but yeah, a collective. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe you said that you never put out a project if it doesn't have a whole planet or a society attached to it. That's right. What does that right. mean? Um, I, I, it means 360 degrees of, of communication as a creative. I think that you know, music is a, a vehicle. Uh, film is a vehicle. Fashion is a vehicle. Culinary arts are a vehicle. Um, and... You know, I'm concerned with the I'm concerned with the content in the vehicle, um, and I think that it's most powerful when that vehicle can change um, regularly and frequently. So, I'm looking at you know when I have a piece of content, how can it translate to all those different vehicles? Mm. And 
through that vehicle are you trying to inspire action or because you know when you like when you watch a documentary that is like woke you're like all right what what, what can i do right like right. what's next the like usually are... people don't give like it doesn't give okay this is what you can do next mm-hmm. or you get inspired you're like all right i want to do something yeah, I think right? I don't yeah. think that I have. Uh, there's not a specific part two that I'm trying to inspire. Mm. What I'm trying to inspire is for people to think differently and shift paradigm and shift frequency. What action comes out of that will be up to the individual. Mm. But I really am like I'm concerned with this sort of like chains of monotony and the hamster wheel breaking off of people's heads. And how can we create? content that inspires that to happen mm. yeah i think yeah like you don't want to be dictatorial as saying i want you to do this yeah say, here it is and then whatever it makes you do go ahead do something enlightened and innovative that inspires the same breaking of chains in other people that's essentially what hmm. and the ep is out right now mm-hmm. it's three tracks and i believe what you recorded like 60 demos yeah. how are you able to cut down why um, we just, three. I, I, I mean, it's, it's roughly 60. I think I just, I, I created like a home setup and I just kind of really got, I sunk into process rather than outcome. And I just really got bent on creating something every day. Mm-hmm. It wasn't all dance music. Like I have a bunch of soul demos. I have a bunch of like more traditional hip hop gem- demos. Um, yeah, and I just really got bent on process, and then I went back after and looked at the content, and I was like, okay, mm-hmm. here's a project. Was it hard or easy to just pick three? Um, I mean, it, it was hard, but yeah. I haven't said goodbye to this. It's not like I'm going to start from square. Like, I, I'm still going to pull from that content for the next project. Hmm. You're pretty versatile in terms of the sounds, you know? You've done, you've done music with Freedom Writers. F-Dub. You know, uh... And yourself as a solo artist as well, too. And I think you're like, you don't fit into a particular genre and you see that as an asset. Absolutely. Tell yeah, me yeah. why. Um, I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like vigorously against templates. I don't want people to know the form before they experience the form of what I'm doing. I don't want my name to mean much except free thought. You know, I don't want people to know that it's going to sound like this or feel like this. Or I don't think that I, I feel like the most powerful art sort of moves away from that idea. Hmm. And my favorite artists have recreated themselves every time they touch with a new piece of content. So, And people don't know what to make of it or they're confused and then... right. Five years later, yo, this is genius. Right, especially when you go back and look at the, the, the life's work or the discography uh, for a musician, but whatever, you know, like if you look at the full complete catalog of somebody who's done that, then, mm-hmm. you know, it really becomes powerful at the end of somebody's career. Mm. So you're thinking the long game, not because the challenge to that is if you are easily packaged in something, people would easily figure it out and they yep. maybe markability would be easier. It's it's definitely a marketing, it's ambitious when it comes to PR and marketing, but basically where I'm at, because I'm I'm handling most of my own PR uh right now, there's help, but I'm I'm really interested in the science of PR and marketing. And I think if 
we can if I can make my content about an idea um, that's consistent in all the different forms, then like mm-hmm. people can create a tribe around that. It doesn't have to be around a certain sonic brand or a certain way of dressing. You know, it's an idea um, that will be present in everything that I make. Do you feel like that is like helpful in terms of when you you have an idea, uh, you figured something out that people can gravitate towards? We'll see. People are paying more attention now than they ever have, so we'll see with the next couple of projects. If yeah, I, you know, or if we, you know, if I have to start from square one every time, maybe I'll, you know, mm. I'll rethink how to do all this, but. Um, you you talked about like you're interested in the science of PR because yeah. you know you're on you know a bunch of like reputable websites. Yes. Uh, what are you learning from this process? Oh God, so much, man. Yeah. So much. Um, the main, I think the the some of the main things that I already knew have proven to be true. Like when it comes to PR and visibility, you know, your relationships are the most important thing. Like you can have great strategy, but it's about who you know. Mm. you know um that's just a big part of it or about what kind of money you have to pay pr retainers which are very very expensive yeah yeah but then if you know those especially in toronto there's like a few writers that are connected to the big it's just like oh this person doesn't exactly and that type of organic pr has been great for me um but when we talk about that next international level it just takes bread or like you know some type of machine has to either fund or get behind you Hmm. some type of way and I think you said I, you like the idea of initial resistance from people mm-hmm. or platforms. Yeah. Then win them over. Mm-hmm. Why? Um, I've always been obsessed with like psychology and lawyering, and like I love you know preachers and lawyers and politicians and motivational speakers and magicians, and I love people who can use positive manipulation for an agenda. And hopefully that agenda benefits the subject. Sometimes it doesn't. With me, it always will. Hmm. Yeah. Like Benny Hinn. <laughs> Not like Benny Hinn. <laughs> I love Benny Hinn in terms of like the way that he does his work, but yeah. you know, he's evil. <laughs> yeah. you, so you're interested in that science of like how did they get people to do what they want them to do? Or yeah. how did they get that message where like millions of people are following them? What is in that? Yeah, and it's not that's yeah. not like a that's not a narcissism. It's like I see the power behind that, and I see that it takes that for the spark to happen for a lot of people. If you talk to people and and if people talk to you about like a turning point in their life or an enlightenment point, it generally will have to do with an experience they had that usually involves another person. And so I just want to figure out how through art to be that person for people when I can or, like, help to create that situation. Okay. And uh, so we've talked about, you know, uh, templates and whatever, and uh, uh, you wrote an interesting article, and uh, that made me think of our sound here in Toronto or Mm -hmm. one of our sounds. You know, when people say, what's the Toronto sound? You know, I've been on panels and I've asked other artists, and when people say the Toronto sound is, like, trap-leaning, down-tempo, moody emo rap or whatever yeah and you feel like that's only one sound that's happening in toronto that we've picked 
yeah. as a Toronto sound, and you don't think that's true, like on a level kind of. I don't, I yeah. don't, I don't yeah. know that the record buying or record streaming market has picked that sound. I think that the machine has picked that sound, and I think like some of the most significant international uh, media platforms have picked that sound as like the prevailing sound in Toronto. Um, and I'm a big fan of a lot of artists that that use that sound. Um, but I think there's much, much more going on in the city. Mm. Mm-hmm. So you you wrote an article talking about this on Now Magazine. Can you tell us yeah. a little bit more what the main thesis of that was? Yeah, I mean yeah. the the idea of that of that uh, of that article was primarily like a call for innovation um, in the urban music space, um, and also just a comment on the fact that like there's quite a monotony that we see in terms of what Toronto acts from the quote-unquote urban scene are getting like a major push or major visibility. Um, and it is very much people related to that sound that you just described. Um, you know, and, this, and there's an issue there with the diversity of subject matter um, and the diversity of the bodies and the social location of the people that are making the music. There's a major lack of diversity there. Um, and, uh, you know, that's problematic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In terms of the sound and in terms of the, the representation, right. male-dominated. Male-dominated. Um, you know, conceptually, it's like the same concept, like me against the world, money pursuit. I get the girls, et cetera, which is like, that's, that can be beautiful music. I'm a fan. I love trap. Love it, love it, love it. So it's not, it's no saltiness on my part. It's not anger at those artists or it's not saying that like this music is not hot. It is hot. It's just like people deserve a palette of music. You know, people deserve an option uh, of things to choose from and sounds and people. You know? mm-hmm. Like I find that, I, you know, I've seen certain artists who, co-opt and adopt say the Toronto sound right the trappy or whatever mm-hmm. and they've gained gained a lot of steam or profile right and success and I'm like oh is that because the music fan has been tuned into that frequency where it's right. more palatable or is it just the music or is it just the powers that be that are just pushing it? right or is it both I, I would I mean I think that yeah, black and white opinions are kind of silly sometimes. Like it's, it has to be both. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely both, and I think there is a huge. But I don't believe that like markets just up and decide what they want. They're led in a certain direction. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I do think that people, they do uh, greet that type of sound with open arms. That sound that we're talking about, that Toronto sound that people call it. Um, People, the market does uh, welcome that sound because they're used to that sound and people want something that's simple. They don't really want to be pushed out of their comfort zone and disrupted until it happens and they love it and then they want it. So They just don't know. They, they, they don't, know don't know what know they've they been missing it. out on. Like, exactly. oh, this is refreshing. Right, right. You know, I've and, been hearing some like, you know, so there's been like people getting to rap. Like that's whoever, right. say the Royce the Five Nines or whoever they may be, oh, and they're like, "Yo, was, huh?" That that new Royce the Five Nine. Yeah, the Black Thoughts or whatever. And when you mm-hmm. see that, you're like, "I forgot about bars." Right, right, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about this. Mm-hmm. I've been in such a haze. Yeah, it's true. I think, and I think, like fans, just like artists, we don't live in an era of like 
trailblazing and originality we live in like it's very much a copycat era in a lot of ways and i think that fans are afraid to like listen and push something new that their friends are not listening and pushing Mm. right so yeah and do you remember when people were afraid to champion toronto music canadian music and and come out to shows and buy tickets Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. do you remember those times absolutely absolutely yeah (laughs) I mean, it's still, I think that still happens in a way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, of course, that was what it was for years in this city. And there's a change obviously happening now. And do you feel like people are definitely more open-minded in terms of like coming out of the shows or there's still a yeah. little bit? I, I think the industry, the good thing about right now is that if you can figure out a way to organically build a following online that is quantifiable, then like the industry will listen to you regardless mm. of what you're doing. You know, um, and I like that because we never had that before. Mm. You know? And I think he said that like with the power of the digital era is no one can stop you from documenting and like archiving your story. That's right. That we can That's build right. our own empires. Mm-hmm. And the thing about these corporate entities, these soulless corporate entities is that they love numbers. They don't care who the numbers are behind. You know, they'll fund whatever it is. As long as you're not like literally calling for the end of that company, they'll fund it. Uh, if the numbers are there and the market's there, so the dollars speak no matter what. That's right, yeah. right? Like even if it's making fun of them, it doesn't. It doesn't like. Then the joke's on you, kind of, because they're making money off of it. So. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so when we see like right now, you know, Ava DuVernay and um, uh, Black Panther, mm-hmm. right? Like number one and number two movies in Hollywood right now are by black directors, right? A woman and a man. Mm-hmm. That's never happened before. Making a bill hundred million or billion dollars for Black Panther. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. think that's an exciting time that we're in or yeah, you think it'll I, make a difference at all? I think no? it's an exciting possibility. Possibility. Yeah. I don't know that it's a win. When I I I when we talk about like historically oppressed groups, I think single stories are dangerous, right? Like it, when Obama became president, it wasn't a win. It was a possibility. We're talking about one movie, right? So it's like, it's a great possibility if we can snowball and a bunch of people can create beautiful, self-determined black art because of it, then amazing. Hmm. Yeah. And talking about like people of color, I believe you tweeted that racism in the music industry is most apparent when observing how relationships and opportunities work. Mm-hmm. When people say, or the views they may have mean nothing in comparison. Nepotism is a silent killer of people of color in the art game. Yeah. Yeah, what? I mean, it kind of speaks for itself. I think we 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 had our in this conversation we're already talking about nepotism, but I mean, yeah, it's like really about who you know, especially when it comes to what emerging artists kind of get a shot um with some of these bigger entities. And it does always trickle up to rich white folks. Hmm. What rich white entity will become invested in the work you're making as an artist of color? Um, and that day has to to come or you there is a glass ceiling if that day doesn't come. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So is that the difference between, you know, when people ask you, how come you haven't blown up? How come like, you know, not only about you personally, but you always there's like plenty of artists in the city. Yeah who have so much talent they're like yep. what's going on here yeah i think that can be that can be the thing that hasn't happened for people mm-hmm. um yeah it depends i i feel like it's happening more for like artists of color now than it probably ever has uh 
I think like a body of color, a female body, a queer body, uh, um, differently abled body is more marketable now than it's ever been. Um, mm. But it doesn't mean that things are anywhere close to where they should be. You Do you know? feel like it's trendy when you see these major corporations have the rainbow flag and, and they're and part of their branding and marketing? Are they using that to like you know increase their profit share? Or absolutely, but it, that's <laughs> you know that's the game plan. So like you, it's it's silly to be like outraged about that. Like we knew like this is how capitalism works. There are no morals with capitalism. It's what will catch the attention of the market, what will capture the market, and what will make a buck. Like, and right now, like, social justice is kind of, like, worth money. Hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. So, so what do you, like, as you as a person that, you know, you've done that work before, what do yeah. you make of it? Like, do you, like... I don't know. I laugh at bandwagon people who, like, yeah. just think that now that social justice is, like, cool then it's like time to talk about it online when you never did for years. But then at the same time, it's like if what you're talking about needs to be said and is truthful, then like that's good. I'm not mad at that. Yeah. I hope there's some type of action behind it or yeah. you don't just talk like that on Facebook. You know, I hope you you'll, really talk like you'll that. accept the dollars or the, the, the platform if you're about this cause and this company wants to. Why not? Yeah, sure. If uh, Pepsi hit me up tonight and said, <laughs> we want you to curate your own... Uh, like pop-up stadium concert and you can do whatever you want, I wouldn't, of course I would say yes. I wouldn't, you know what I mean? Like if I get creative control, then it's all money from the man, you know, like whatever version of that it is. You know? mm. yeah. <laughs> Today's podcast is brought to you by Banzoogle. Banzoogle makes it easy to build a stunning website for your music in minutes. Choose from hundreds of mobile-friendly themes. Then customize your design and content in a few clicks with Banzuko's easy visual editor. All the features you need for a professional website are already built in, including tools to sell your music and merch commission-free right on your website, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, integrations to pull in content from all your online services like Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud, and live support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. Banzuko plans start at $8.29 a month and include your free custom domain name. Go to banzuko.com to try for free for 30 days and be sure to use the promo code CHEDO15. That is C-H-E-D-O-15 to get 15% off the first year of your subscription. Banzuko, websites built for musicians by musicians. And speaking about independence and doing it on your own, I think you've said that you've have like a passion for playing in your own way and doing it for self. Uh, yep. That's important to you. Tell me why. Um, I, I just think like yeah, the integrity of your identity and your originality to me it has to do with your life purpose. I believe deeply in like the purpose of every life, and I think that you have to stay true to yourself to live that purpose out. And a lot of times when you involve a lot of other people, it's like your purpose can get blurry. And that being said, it's not like, a, you know, I would take the right record deal or the right whatever. Um, but yeah, I do very much believe in staying self-determined. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, where do you see this? Like, what is your ideal? Like, you know, the vi like the vision and, and the goal that you want to accomplish for yourself? I'd like to get like all of my different multidisciplinary work on like, you know, important platforms and just grow an audience. 
an international audience and just mm. travel the world and make things for people. What are the other things that outside of say, you know, making music mm -hmm. that you're involved or you uh film. Yeah. I'm making a lot of film art right now. I'm shooting, editing, um, film work. Uh what kind of like film work? Um it's mostly focused on handicam stuff right now. Like I'm shooting a lot of handicam stuff mm. and just like even just like film editing of like other content, found content, performance art. I shot a performance art installation two years ago, like public interaction performance art, which I'm really interested in. And I want to do a lot more of that work. Mm. Um, acting. Uh, yeah. And then like anything else that that uh, I feel like doing. <laughs> how, does, how does that feed you as an artist? Like multidisciplinary work? Yeah, doing other stuff. And if you just, you know, you're not just an, an MC. I think yeah. primarily it stops blockages. Like if I get up and I, and I feel like it's a writer's block day, it's very seldom that it will be a film block day. Or like, you know what I mean? Like there's always a discipline that I'll feel like doing if something else is blocked. So it allows me the possibility to create every day mm. and capture every energy that I'm feeling. To be in that vibe and yeah. that eventually helps if you had that writer's block eventually because right. you're kind of building momentum a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I wake up and I can't write a song, then I can probably shoot something or I can probably conceptualize a performance art piece mm -hmm. or I can come up with a unique new uh, social networking strategy, mm. you know. What what if uh, influenced you as an artist like musically? Like where where first oh, of all? God, wow, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> where are you from? Where am I from? Toronto. Where in Toronto? Uh, I moved around a lot as a kid. Yeah. Born in Flemington Park, but I came of age in the Esplanade downtown uh, Toronto. Downtown Toronto. Yeah. Mm. And uh, so, who's playing music, or where where is it at home? Uh, it's like, everywhere. Where did it start? And it's everywhere. Like yeah. it's my mom playing like '80s club kid music. It's like you know, like Tears for Fears and Talking Heads and mm. psychedelic furs and shit. And it's my pops playing like a lot of reggae music. Um, you know, Garnet Silk and Bob Marley and uh, Gregory Isaacs, etc. Um, and then it's like, you know, it's soul music. And then it's also me. Like I loved alternative. Like I love like smashing pumpkins and nine inch nails. And, um, and then it's like, that's the high school. That's era. the high school era. Yeah. And then it's obviously like golden era hip hop. So it's Gangstar and Jay-Z and Nas and Wu-Tang. Um, mm. And yeah, and then it's like everything I heard in between. It's like also living in Toronto, like you get a chance to, you're like, I'm gonna like hear, I'm hearing some like Indian music. Like I grew up in a very East African building. So it's like all Ethiopian and Somali people. So I'm like hearing some crazy Ethiopian jazz. Or like it's just like a real mishmash of influences. Hmm. Mm. So you were enriched. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. With sounds and visuals, like film also. Do you feel like that was like normal in terms of like your peers or was it you were lucky? I think out yeah. of out of the many cities in the world, Toronto has a lot of young people that get of experience like that where like you have two parents that might be from different cultures like mine um and then you're in living in a city that has all these different cultures and you just you have this diverse experience. 
because mm-hmm. there's so much blending that happens in Toronto. So and so who where like you're I believe what 17 years old. Mm-hmm. Somebody invited you to the studio basement. Right. Who was that? Uh, so studio basement. When I was 17, I I went to Rosedale Heights. It's an art school, and I used to smoke a lot of weed and freestyle in the smoking area every day, and. Yeah, we used to rap a lot, and there's this guy that came, and he brought me. The person's house I went to is actually uh, a pretty major, like, electronic DJ and producer named Hunter Siegel, mm. um, who was went by Century Sam back then, and I was 17. I don't know how old he was. Mm. Very young also, and yeah, that's the first place I made music. Was the Century Sam r- related to Century Sam? Blunts or I think that was the inspiration. <laughs> it's definitely like those are what we were smoking. Uh, but yeah, now he's like a you know he's a traveling electronic DJ. He's like doing very well for himself. So when would um, when when who told you like he told you or or you realized yo like yo I'm kind of nice. Yeah, I think well yeah. like I used yeah. to you know very much slay all the ciphers and stuff at yeah. lunch and you know I I started writing when I was 15 or 14. So I had like stored up rhymes and yeah, I think it was just more people being like continually impressed. And then people eventually being like, yo, you got to go to the studio and then like going to the studio and that going well. And you know, it snowballed from there. Mm. Yeah. So the the first like professionally or recorded thing that you put up or you sold was what? Oh God. Well, none (laughs) of those songs, like that was at that time, it was crazy to be able to play back your music. Like, forget about releasing it like just having it on a cd was amazing mm. for yourself uh but yeah with that collective of people i think a project was released a year or two later with like those songs what was it called like under what name God, what I don't, I don't remember i think it was called... what was your first rap name it was always progress oh wow yeah you're lucky you had a good first rap name not yeah. a lot of people <laughs> i think i flirted with so i don't even remember what other names i flirted with but yeah progress is what it started with Definitely, the the content was not progressive. I'll tell you that much. It was very much more like it was a lot of like punchline stuff. I'd say, like uh, what boom bap production sound or ish, no, yeah, ish. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the name of the project. I think the group was called the Opposition. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember <laughs> the name of the project though. <laughs> and from there, where did it go? Then uh, I think I left like that circle of people and. I met another circle of people, uh, and we had a thing called Rags to Riches. Mm-mm. This is like, I'm like, I've never really told anyone this whole story before. It's a little embarrassing. <laughs> no, it's all good. <laughs> Just the name. Anyways. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, but like, you know, and those artists were amazing uh, also. and That was a group or what? Yeah, it was yeah. a group of like solo MCs. Uh, and yeah, we put out different music, and then... You know, left that situation, and I was making solo music for a while, and and I and I started recording at Big Sprox's studio. Mm, and how did you meet him? Through the people in like the Rags to Riches collective. Oh, okay. Who were all we were all making music there, and like you know the MCs in that collective were super talented. Um, and yeah, and I just was making solo music at Sprox's studio, and then. That's how the Freedom Writers thing happened. Mm. Um, my music was just kind of going with this idea that 
they had already had like uh, Tona and Bomb and Theo and Frankie and Swax had already decided they were going to do something and then they kind of just invited me in and that's how the Freedom Riders thing happened and that happened for a few years and that was amazing. Yeah, what did that do for your like for your skills? Uh, I mean, you know, those guys are all sharp as nails, like they're unbelievable MCs. So it really like I had to stay on point and just because there was so many other voices, I had to, you know, really stay innovative to stand out amongst uh, such a talented pool of, of MCs. And then it also just put me in front of really big crowds and I got to play really big crowds and really just hone the, the mic craft better um because i love performing it's like my favorite thing in the world and that was kind of done for me and i had my eyes on a different thing which i knew had to just be me and so i went and got in the studio with kj keita juma who's like a good friend of mine he acted as the engineer and mm. i used a bunch of found beats from the sort of like electronic world and other places and i put together a, a mixtape called night rhetoric and that was my first like major solo thing um yeah and since then that was like three or four years ago now and mm. yeah i've just been pushing that vibe and yeah now did kj influence that at all because he's that type, like electronic as well too. uh yeah. not not yeah. not really sonically but more just like as a peer like i had a big collective of peers you know around me who are all trying to do innovative things and yeah and i kj was also happened to be an engineer and i knew he would understand what i was going for and so yeah we just locked ourselves in this old sort of like victorian house that's haunted mm -hmm. that he worked at and we recorded it there that's dope yeah uh throughout this whole journey and process what would you say was like maybe the most frustrating time like a low point mm. that you know I think, like, being in groups is really frustrating. Mm. I don't know that I'd ever be in a group again because um, I have real specific ideas um, and I don't like too many cooks in the kitchen. So this with Slumber Magic War, uh, the like, the EP that I just dropped, it's, you know, I have full creative control and, like, I think that's kind of the only way I want to create moving forward, mm. so... Because creatively, and then there's a whole logistics part of that as well, too, right? Right. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And I've, I've heard of other, even I've had Tona and Adabom, they talked similar things about Naturally Born Strangers, you know, right. a Juno award-winning group. They're like, yo, you know, they're like, ah, there's a bunch of these things that it's beyond their control. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I totally understand that. And what is currently inspiring you? Oh, God, man. Yeah. So, so, so much. Um like just other content or anything you mean you can share a bunch of things yeah um okay uh yeah. i'm what am i doing i'm really uh jazz is really inspiring right now um sun ra and sun ra is also like a film artist so like his film work is like remains a major inspiration i'm super on that um Musically, there's this artist from New York named Lakele, who she's making unbelievable music, uh, kind of like high, a lot of it's like high BPM, dance-oriented, hip-hop, really, really sick. Um, God, what else? Films. I've been like revisiting a bunch of films. I just watched um, Children of Men again. It's like a beautiful fucking movie. Mm -hmm. Um 
Yeah, I'm like drawing blanks. Atlanta. So when you watch st- like Children of Men and, and mm-hmm. or hear Lakele, Lakele, yeah. what does that do for you? Oh, just yeah. like I feel like going and creating myself. Like when I see stuff that's like really gives me goosebumps, I want to go and create myself. Mm. Um, like I just watched again. I I watched uh, Tony Robbins' documentary. I am not your guru, and like. Mm. You know, he's cheesy as fuck, but, like, his work is unbelievable. Like, his, the way he approaches his craft and what he's be able to get out of people. If any artist watches that documentary and doesn't, is not amazed, then, like, I don't know if you should be releasing content to people. Like, Tony Robbins is a really special person. Yeah. Um, in terms of what he's able to do with large groups of people. Um, so, yeah. A lot of power. A lot of power, yeah. He's yeah. basically a scientist, right? Of, like positive manipulation Mm. yeah yeah i mean you know there's probably debates around how good he is for people and that's you know that's up to you to decide but Mm. he's good at what he does dope and anything else that you want to leave the people with man anything else you want to say oh man yeah i love how i one of my favorite things about nardwar the human serviette who's like a personal hero of mine is how he asks why should the people care mm. I, love, I love that question and i always like i try to imagine how i would answer that question and i i don't have an answer and i don't know why people should care or if they should um but i would say if you are interested in breaking chains that are on you if you're interested in the freedom of thought and if you're interested in knowing who you are without the influence of anything else um, then just know that I am interested in that also, and I'm creating content that I'm hoping can help you do that. So if you want to free up. Free up! Yeah, then free up. <laughs> Thank you for your time, Progress. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, really sir. Progress that. on the Come Up Show. Bless. Yo, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Matthew Progress on the Come Up Show podcast. Each and every Wednesday, a brand new episode, the Come Up Show podcast. If this is your first time tuning in, subscribe and make sure you check out the previous interviews. And for the ones who've been tuning in each and every week, I have to ask you a question. Have you rated us? Have you given us a five-star rating and review? If you haven't, please do so right now on Apple Podcasts. The link is in the description Give us a five-star rating and review. I would truly appreciate it. All right, guys. I'll catch you on next Wednesday. It's your boy, Chetto. Peace.